Thanks for checking out the One Church podcast today. If you are new to One Church and want to learn more about us, you can always check us out at imonechurch.com. Now, here's Pastor Crystal Sparks. While we're at it, can we welcome everyone on our online audience? We're so thankful that you are listening to this. So with all that said, I'm going to jump into today's word. Um, this is going to be part three of our series, Wonderful Anticipation. And you guys, if you have missed either of Pastor Brian's messages the last two Sundays, I feel like he has just been preaching to me. Um, I have cried every single Sunday. Like, it's been so good. Like, Perla and I have had to start a support group for each other because just crying. Like, it's just been really, really good. Um, um, so I just challenge you, if you missed either one of those messages, jump online, listen to them. They are incredible. And so today is going to be part three of our wonderful anticipation. We're going to be in Luke chapter one, verse five through 13. And I'm reading out of the Amplified Bible because it's the Bible that Jesus reads. And it says, in the days when Herod was king of Judea, there was a certain priest whose name was Zechariah of the daily service in the division of Abia. And his wife was also a descendant of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. And they both were righteousness, righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments. How many? All, that's a lot, right? They're just like, they got all the gold stars. Like they're doing everything right and requirements of the Lord. But they had no child for Elizabeth was barren and both were far advanced in years. And while on duty serving as the priest before God in the order of his division, as was the custom of the priesthood, it fell on him by lot to enter the sanctuary of the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And all the throng of people were praying outside in the court at the hour of incense burning. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear took possession of him. And the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your petition, your prayer has been heard and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you must call his name John. God is favorable. Can we pray as we continue our time together? Uh, Jesus, we just thank you so much. Uh, God, we declare that this is a God-appointed word at a God-appointed time. Father, I declare that every ear is open and receptive. Every heart will be softened for the seed of the word of God. Father, we declare every life will leave change, that no one will leave the same. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. You know, have you ever gotten something and it's not what you were expecting? Um, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, have you ever gotten something, maybe ordered something on a online boutique and you get it and you ordered the size 10 because you wanted it to be big enough and it was came in the mail and it could fit your child's Barbie doll? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, what human is this size? Anyways, um, but have you ever gotten something and it's not what you ex- anticipated? You know, I travel quite a bit and because my love for Disney is strong and so I'm always looking for odd jobs to be able to make more money to go see Mickey Mouse. And uh, my husband's okay with my love affair, as long as it doesn't cost him money. And so I I've had found a, a thing that I've been doing with a girl in Utah and a job that I've been doing. And with that, uh, Nancy Sai, one of our campus pastors here, and Crystal Figueroa, our creative director, were also in on this. And so we were all traveling to Utah and I had had a lot going on, a lot of travel happening. And travel sounds glamorous until you do it. 
Like, for real. Like, travel sounds so romantic until you're delayed at the airport forever and you're in another hotel room for another night. You can't even remember what your hotel room number is because you've had three in the last week. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So it sounds glamorous until you do it. And so we were all traveling together and I was like, guys, honestly, like, I don't want to stay in a hotel. Let's just do an Airbnb. Keep it simple. So I gave Nancy the job of an Airbnb. Side note, do not delegate Airbnb to Nancy. Um, don't, don't do that. And so we make the trip and we're in Utah and you know, when your friends, like you're just laughing and hanging out. Well, and the funny part was they gave us a hamster vehicle from the Super Bowl commercial, um, as our rental car. If you don't know what that is, you're probably driving it anyways. Um, and so we're laughing so hard because we feel like we're hamsters driving around Utah. Take us seriously. Anyways, and so we're driving and, and Maps is directing us and I'm wondering where we're going. So I'm like, wow, our meeting isn't for a few more hours. Like, where is she taking us? And we leave the city and all of a sudden I realize like we're going deeper and deeper into the ghetto. Like, you know, you're in the ghetto when you start wanting to lock your doors and hide your purse, take your jewelry off. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I used to live there. Come on, somebody. And so I, it started to get real sketchy. Like, you know, it's scary when there's multiple cars on blocks in the front yard and a dog on a chain and there's no grass. <laughs> if I just described your house, don't be offended. <laughs> just uh, anyways, um, I'm sure you're a great person anyways. And so, I mean, I'm pretty sure there was like a drug deal happening right down the street, like a lot of sketchy stuff going on. Like what is happening? And all of a sudden Siri tells us you've arrived at your destination. I'm like, the devil is a liar. We ain't arrived nowhere. I'm like, what is this? She's like, this is our Airbnb. I'm like, no, it ain't. I'm like, you better try another map system. So I was like, put the address in again. Cause you know, like sometimes maps take you to weird places. And so we put it in again and we drive around the block only to find out that we were indeed at the right spot. Now, might I just say that this house was a scary house. Like it looked like it was decorated for Halloween, but it, there was no Halloween stuff. Right. And there was like a tarp laying over something under the carport. There was a noose hanging from the tree in the yard, like where they hung the last people that stayed there. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? We walk in the house and like, we're scared. Right. So we walk in the house and there's doors locked with like handwritten signs, like don't enter or else. And we're like, so we, we get in the living room and we don't know what to do because we've already paid for this Airbnb. So we're whispering in the living room. We're like, how much money do you have? I don't know. I think I got like 50 bucks. I got 50 bucks too. Okay. Well, I'll take your 50 and my 50. And we look at C-Fix. She's like, I'm the creative director for the church. I don't have 50. I'm like, all right, I'm sorry. I'll talk to your boss about that. And I was like, okay, all right, well, we'll pull our money together and we'll go get a hotel. And so we leave there and I was just like, oh my gosh, like this isn't what I was expecting. And I look back on it now and I was like, why were we whispering in the living room? And I, I realized that we were afraid that the person was behind that locked door. Like they were going to hear us and come out and get us. But have you ever had something where you did and you were believing for it to look one way? And when you get there, it looks the opposite of what you believed for. I mean, you had painted it out, what it was going to look like. You made the journey. You did everything to prepare. It wasn't that your due diligence was lacking because it was not lacking, but you find yourself arrived at a place that you, it does not look like what you thought it would. And here you are in a place of going, what I saw and what reality is, there's a huge chasm between the two. And I will just tell you that if you find yourself in that position today, you find yourself in really good company because Zechariah was the same way. You know, when you're reading your Bible, don't just jump over things. When it tells you that he was a part of the division of Abia, whose descendant was from Aaron, they're letting you know that he is a part of a division of priests, 20,000 in number. 
That's huge. And for him to go in and offer incense at the altar, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Most priests would never get to do this in their entire lifetime. And not only that, he's of the descendants of Aaron, who Aaron is one of the most um, adored people in biblical history. And so here he is coming from a great family, coming from a prestigious family, having this huge opportunity, a once in a lifetime opportunity presents itself. And all he can think about is... My life isn't successful. I have no child. It is possible, can I tell you, to have one side of your life flourishing while the other side of your life is falling apart. You could be successful professionally and nailing it at work and come home and feel like a failure as a mother and as a father. And that's why I'll say you find yourself throwing yourself into work because it's easier there. It's easier. You know how to be successful over here. You know how to hit it apart out of the park. You know how to land the business deal. But when you come home, you don't know what to do with these kids. Your marriage is falling apart. And oftentimes we find ourselves where one area of our life is flourishing while the other is dying and decaying. And the sad part in that is the enemy wants us to focus on the one thing that isn't working out and we negate everything else that's going right. And then we get into this place of God, why have you failed me? Where are you at? Here he is, though some would say that he was 99 or 98 years old. And there's an argument whether he was 99 or 98. Either way, he was old. He was old. He wasn't at the age where he was dreaming of going to Chuck E. Cheese for birthday parties. Like, let me just say, can you imagine you going to Christmas this holiday season and your Nana telling you that she's pregnant and she's 88? Y'all would be like, say what? (laughs) And here he is, and I love what the angel of the Lord said, the Lord has heard your prayer. Now what's crazy to that to me in that is the Bible does not say he was praying. It says that there was a great number of people outside praying, but Zachariah was not in prayer. I understand why the angel of the Lord showed up to Mary and talked to her. She could have very well been knelt down beside her bed praying, but Zachariah wasn't in prayer. And so this lets me know this, that our prayers never expire. The moment you pray, Revelation tells us that God holds all of our prayers in a bowl in heaven. They are all kept. So here's what it tells me is that even when you forget what you said, God's still listening. Even when you think that God's not working, he's behind the scenes putting everything together. See, he, The angel of the Lord was talking to him about something that was who knows how long before he had prayed a prayer. What prayers have you prayed that you've forgotten about? God hasn't forgotten. Because here's the tendency is we're real faithful in praying for something to happen for the first year, the first six months, the first few days. But what do you do when it's been five years? What do you do when it's been 50 years? What do you do when it's been 60 years? And we almost feel like God has forgotten us. But friend, let me tell you that God never forgets about you. The moment you pray it, God is never going to forget what you asked him for. So I want to say this, that in Jeremiah 33, it says, uh, 33, it says, call on me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things. Psalm 116, 1, it says, I love the Lord because he heard my prayer. Isaiah 65, 24, it says, I will answer them before they call on me. I love that so much. See, the end enemy wants you to get to a place where you stop praying. You know why? Because he knows that when you pray, all of a sudden heaven begins to invade the earth. He knows that when you pray, all of a sudden you're submitting your limitations to a limitless God. He knows that when you pray, your brokenness is now becoming whole and the wholeness of God. See, the enemy wants to keep you from praying. So this is what the enemy likes to tell us. No, no. 
God will never do that for you. God's not gonna make that happen. And here's the thing is that God answers prayer three ways. He answers it in yes, not yet, or I have something better. Every time you pray something, how many of you guys are believing God for something in this place? I wanna tell you that God's answer to that prayer is yes, not yet, or I have something better. It's never no. And I know this because in 2 Corinthians, it tells us this in 2 Corinthians in verse one and 10, it says all God's promises are yes. And amen. See, God is a God who answers prayer. It may not come the way you thought it would come. It may not happen in the timeline you thought it was gonna happen in. It may not look the way you thought it was gonna look, but eventually God is gonna make it happen in your life. But the enemy wants us to think that it's not gonna happen. In Romans 15, 13, it says, may the God of your hope so fill you with all joy and peace in believing through the experience of your faith that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound and be overflowing bubbling over with hope. I love this because the author of Romans, Paul is saying that I want you to experience the God of hope. Now, let me just tell you that there's four things you need to understand about hope. The first one is, is hope is never dependent upon facts. In fact, you stop hoping for something the moment it comes into your life. I don't ask Brian to get me a drink of water from the kitchen. And then when he brings it to me, say, well, I sure do hope you bring me that glass of water. No, the minute it arrives, I stop hoping, right? And in our lives, the Bible's telling us that we should experience the God of hope. That means that there's gonna be sometimes where what you believe is gonna be more in what's unseen than what is seen. And so often we are frustrated in the seasons of waiting because we don't wanna hold on to hope. In fact, in Christmas time, hope is plastered everywhere. And it's such a beautiful thing. We put it on ornaments and and on signs on our houses, but we don't like to live in a place of hope, right? Because when you're living in a place of hope, it means you're living contrary to the facts. It's it's, everything is what you're believing for is not what you're seeing. The second thing is you only need hope if you're waiting. The third is hope will always cost you something. Hope will always cost you something. Hope is not free. The fourth thing is you have to steward what isn't working. Hope makes you steward what isn't working. Think about the disciples here. Jesus is, he shows up to them and the Bible tells us that they were mending their nets. Now, might I just say that them mending their nets was an act of faith because if they were not believing for a future catch, they would have thrown away their nets. Just them mending the nets was an act of hope. That was them stewarding what isn't working. And so the Bible says that they were mending their nets and all of a sudden Jesus shows up, he gets in their boat and he goes out and the Bible says they caught the greatest haul of fish that day that they had ever caught. Now, might I just tell you that had they not been stewarding what wasn't working, when opportunity arrived, they would not be prepared for it. And hope makes you prepare for what God is about to do, not what God is currently doing. And some of you are gonna miss what God's about to do because you're so focused on what's happening. Now, here's the deal, is that if Jesus, if they would have caught the fish that they wanted to catch, they would never had room for Jesus to get in the boat. They wouldn't have ever had room for him. And some of you have been trying to make things work on your own. You've been trying to pull up your own bootstraps and be like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to make this happen. And the whole time Jesus is going, yeah, go ahead. But the moment you let me get in your boat and some of you need to let him get in your finances. Some of you need to let him get in your family. Some of you need to let him get in your business. Come on somebody. And you'll see the greatest catch you've ever seen. Why? Because hope is stewarding what isn't working and hopes of what's about to happen, not what's currently happening. 
happening. Quit defining what your next year is gonna look like, what it looks like right now. Come on, somebody. You gotta get your hopes up. Start believing God for something bigger. See, waiting seasons are never wasted seasons. Waiting seasons are never wasted seasons. God does not waste a single moment of your life. He is gonna make sure that everything gets put to use, but so often we miss it. We miss it because here's the thing. We miss it because it doesn't look perfect like we thought it would look. It doesn't look perfect. It doesn't come in the whole perfect package. It comes often looking like a big old mess and a whole lot of disappointment, if we'll just be real honest, right? And so what we do in the waiting season is our temptation is begin to try to make it happen in our, in our own. And when we do that, we miss out on what God really has. I remember Brian was working at the fire department and um, I was pregnant with two children in a full-size bed. Both kids, me and him in a full-size bed. You can go ahead and feel sorry for me now. And I had my son bear and uh, I kept telling him, babe, I'm just believing God for a queen size bed. Like I just kept telling him that, babe, I'm just believing for a queen size bed and saying, will you go buy me a queen size bed? Cause I knew we had the money. We had been saving for a long time. And he just kept saying, wait, Crystal, wait. Well, as all wives do, I started saying, Lord, you need to talk to him. And so I figured I would be Holy Ghost Junior and start telling him what the Lord says. All the women, y'all know what I'm talking about. And I will be the voice of the Lord for him. So I started prodding him. You know, the Lord would really want us to have this queen size bed. And uh, I just kept dropping hints and things. And then finally one day I came home and there was a queen size bed in our house and he had gone and bought it. And I was so happy. I was like, thank you. The next day, somebody say the next day. He gets a call from one of the guys at the fire department. He said, hey, we just bought a king size bed. We haven't even slept on it, but my wife hates it. It's brand new. They won't let us return it. I want to give it to you. I feel like I'm supposed to give it to you completely free. Can you take it? See, I miss what God had. And here's the thing is when you stop waiting on God, you have to pay for your mistakes. Because God wanted to give me something and instead I had to pay for it. And here's the thing is that some of you are getting so impatient on God that you're thinking I could make this happen on my own. And God's saying, I just want you to steward what isn't working. I want you to just keep going to bed in that full size bed. Don't worry, it's coming. I want you to keep stewarding that business like it's a multi-million dollar business. I want you to keep taking care of those kids as though they all serve the Lord. I want you to keep loving your husband like he isn't an addict. Come on somebody. But here's the thing is that in our own natural mindset, we wanna forfeit what isn't working. But if the disciples wouldn't have mended the nets, they wouldn't have seen all that God has. And some of you, this next year, God's gonna bring a blessing on you that's so great that you won't have room to contain it all. But you gotta keep stewarding what isn't working. You gotta keep being faithful with what isn't working. You gotta keep showing up on time, even though you haven't got promoted. You gotta keep preaching, even though no one's listening. You gotta keep praying, even when it seems like it isn't happening. Why? Because this season right now is your proving ground. Everything God's about to bring you into, he's seeing how faithful you are right now to see if you're ready for what's about to happen. If you can't take care of a business with a profit margin of $20,000, what makes you think he can give you a million? Come on. If you can't influence your kids for the kingdom, what makes you think that he's gonna let you have a ministry? I'm gonna go there. If you can't clock in on time at McDonald's, what makes you think you're gonna be a business owner? Come on, somebody. 
This season right now is the most important season you have. But here's the thing is that everything God does, he is a God of people. He is a God of place and he is a God of time. And all three of those have to line up for him to begin to do something. The first thing that God said wasn't good was that man, man would be alone. Why? Because God is a God of people. Now think about this. Zechariah was 98 years old. And, and the angel of the Lord shows up and lets him know that he was going to have a son who was to be named John. And he was going to be a forerunner for Christ. In fact, John would be the one that was standing down in the water. And all of a sudden, Jesus would come up and he'd say, behold, it's the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Now think about this. If Zechariah would have had his son on his timeline, there would be no Jesus to be the forerunner. There would be no John standing in the water declaring, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. And the Bible in Colossians, it says that when our prayers are answered, men will glorify God. So in other words, every answer to prayer in your life is a forerunner for Christ. So when God does something, he's got people on mind. So I'll just say this, that maybe it's not that you're not ready. Maybe the situation isn't ready. That God's got people that he's going to tie to you. Because the Bible says that the moment that God told Mary that she was going to have a baby, she immediately left to Elizabeth's house. Because God knew that Elizabeth would need Mary and Mary would need Elizabeth. Because here's the thing, is that it's never just about you. It's about the people who are connected to you. Because God is a God of people. He's a God of place. And he's a God of time. I love this scripture in Isaiah 40, verse 31. It says, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strengths like eagles will renew their strength like eagles. That word wait, you know what it means in the original translation? It painted a word picture. It says being linked arm in arm with one another. Your waiting was never supposed to be alone. Your waiting is never supposed to be alone. Why? Because God is a God of people. He's a God of place and he's a God of time. You know, whenever I first got pregnant, Brian and I had tried for so long and um, we got pregnant with our first baby and I had a horrible miscarriage. It was awful. And right, the first call Brian ran after I had the miscarriage and he went back to work um, was on a lady who had overdosed on methamphetamine. And she overdosed because she was trying to abort the baby. So Brian sat there in a drug house delivering this woman who's high on meth, her baby, who was 100% healthy. Now that may not mean anything to you, but to be the person who just walked through our own loss and now having my husband, the first call he makes, he's delivering a child that she didn't even want the child. We wanted our child. And I was messed up. Like I I didn't understand God, why are you doing this? And then I got pregnant with Braley Kay. And honestly, like I was afraid to even be happy during that pregnancy because I didn't know. Like I wanted to say that I had the faith that everything was gonna be okay. But honestly, deep inside, I was scared. And now I I will say that I look at Braylee's life and I think about what a light she was, what light she is, because Braylee has won more people to Christ than most of you in this room. She's constantly praying for people. She's constantly telling people about Jesus. And now I look at it and I see that God there in that moment, he had Jocelyn on his mind. He had Caden, a little girl at her school in mind. He had these different ones in mind. He had all the kids at Roy City ISD and Terrell ISD on his mind. Why? Because God is a God of people. He's a God of place and he's a God of time. He knew that if I would have had that baby then now, I will say that I don't believe that miscarriage is from the Lord, but I do believe this, that God works all things together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. And so I'll say this, that I look at Braylee's life now and I wouldn't trade her for anything. 
I wouldn't trade her for anything, but God's a God of people. He's a God of place. Where you are called to be is more important than what you are called to do. Where you are called to be, I remember, you know, we were believing God and man, I was so frustrated. I was so done being a youth pastor. I was over at Pastor Jimmy. I had eaten pizza. All I wanted to eat pizza. I had done youth camps. All I wanted to do youth camps. I'm just saying we did like 14 years of youth ministry. That's a long time to sleep on those nasty beds in Jesus name. And I was like, I'm done with this Lord. And, um, but the Lord wouldn't release us. And so one night we were doing youth and I just kept stewarding what wasn't working. I just kept showing up. Those kids wouldn't know that I didn't want to be there. Red, did you ever know I didn't want to be there? I hated it. I would cry in the parking lot showing up and say, God, don't make me go in there. I don't want to do this anymore. And I was there one night and a redheaded kid walked in and he was in my group and he was telling me how he wanted to be famous and he wanted to be a rapper. And I was like, yeah, sure you do. I was like, all right, this kid ain't ever coming back. And he said, how do I get there? I said, where you're called to be is more important than what you're called to do. I said, you need to get planted in the house of God. You need to start showing up even when you don't want to. And when you start doing that, God will start making your dreams come true. And he was like, okay, I didn't think he'd ever come back. The next week he walked back in the door. I was like, whoa, what happened? (laughs) And I'll say this, that seven years ago, God didn't release me to plant this church because he had red on his mind. And he knew that Red was gonna walk in and he needed to be where he was called to be. And then when we announced that we were starting the church, Red didn't even know how to play the drums, but God knew that we would need a drummer. He put the heart in Red to start playing drums. He taught himself how to play through watching YouTube videos. And now he serves every single week faithfully. And then in that, come on somebody. Why? Because God's a God of people. He's a God of place. And he's a God of time. And if I would have gotten ahead of him, Red wouldn't be where he is. And God had Rachel on his mind, his fiance. And he knew that there was gonna be a girl and he's gonna call her to be in that place too. And she jumped right in behind the plows with us. Why? Because in that youth ministry, when I wanted to quit, God had them on his mind. And then I think about how he's a God of people. He's a God of place, but he's also a God of time. I had it in my heart. I was like, God spoke to me and said, I want you to start a leadership program. I want you to get girls together and give them a book a month. And you meet with them once a month. Where are all my She Leads girls at? Does this sound familiar? And so I did it in Silver Springs, Texas in my living room. You know what happened? It failed. I got everybody together. I taught the first time. It was so bad. Nobody came back the second time. I was like, well, that sucked. Am I allowed to say that? I guess I am. Um, And so years go by. And I'm out on a run and the Lord said, I want you to get a group of people together. I want you to get a group of girls together. I want you to give them a book a month. I want you to teach them once a month and watch and see what I'll do. I said, God, I already did this and it failed. He said, we do it again. I'm like, sure, I'll do it again. I did it. And they all kept coming back. And first year girls, I will say, are there still pillars in this house? And second year girls grew to be pillars in this house. And then God said, I want you to take it online. And now there's hundreds of women all over the world going through my leadership program. And then God had spoken to us in that time in Silver Springs. Can you tell Silver Springs was our wilderness? (laughs) I want you to start a college. We're like, okay, we'll start a college, Lord, whatever you tell us to do. If we're gonna be here, we're gonna start a college. We started a college and we had a phone call one person and said, hi, my name's Denver Hines calling about your college. I was like, yeah, we got so many people calling about it. Really the truth was he was the only person calling about it, but I was trying to make it sound good, you know? 
And he came on and we didn't start the college because we didn't have enough people to start it. But God's a God of people. He's a God of place. He's a God of time. God used that failure of what I thought was a failure of the college to get Denver into our life. And Denver's now our campus pastor in Silver Springs, Texas. Come on, can y'all give it up for the campus pastor in Silver Springs, Texas, crushing it. Over 161 people have given their lives to Jesus over there. Why? Because God used the college, used my failure to get Denver into our life. And now this year, we just announced that we are starting our college here and it's all coming full circle. The things that we saw were as failures are now flourishing and succeeding. So I'll say that to say, I'm just saying that God's a God of people. He's a got a place and he's a God of time. So can I just tell you to relax? Like relax. Why are you being so hard on yourself? If I could tell Crystal Sparks anything from eight years ago in Silver Springs, Texas in 20 acres, I tell her, don't worry, baby, you're going to own this building one day. You're, you're going to have a campus here. You're going to see it flourish. You're going to preach all over the world. Everything's going to be fine. Just relax. And right now, I just want to tell you that. Just enjoy the journey. Why are you being hard on yourself about things that God didn't even ask you to do? I should have had kids by now. Who's told you that? I should have been married by now. Who said? You know, the right time to be married is when the right one comes. It's not an age. It's not a number. Well, I thought we'd have more money by now. Who said? I thought my business would take off by now. Why now? God's working on it. Relax. I found this, that when God gets ready, you just better be ready because nothing will stop what he has coming. It'll happen so fast. The time to prepare is not when the opportunity door opens, but it's before the opportunity door opens. I love this scripture in Amos 9.15. It says, I'm sorry, Amos 9.13. It says, yes, indeed, it won't be long now. This is God's decree. Things are going to happen so fast, your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of the other. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once and everywhere you look, blessings. Habakkuk 2.3, I love this so much. It says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time and it hastens to the end fulfillment. It will not deceive or disappoint. Though it tarry, wait earnestly for it because surely it will come. Jude 1.2 and the message translation says, relax, everything's gonna be all right. Rest, everything's coming together. Galatians 4.4 says that in the fullness of time, Jesus came. I wanna tell you that God's got good things coming for you. He's a God of people, he's a God of place, and he's a God of time. And I can tell you that on this side of it, I would wait again for the Higgins family. On this side of it, I can wait again for the Batson family. On this side of it, I would wait again. I'd wait again for the Pryor family. On this side of it, I'd wait again for Isabel Duran. Why? Because back in that season of waiting, when I felt like God had forgotten us, that maybe we had messed up, maybe it isn't gonna happen, he had you on his mind. Because he's a God of people. He's a God of place. He's got a time. And it's all gonna come together. Can you trust him with it? Let's pray together. Jesus, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you that you are a God of people. 
you are God a place and you are God a time that God is so much more than just the promise coming into our life, but it's about the people that it's connected to. It's about the place we're called to be planted. And it's about the time that you long to see it fulfilled. So Father, I speak over every single person in this house. Relax. Everything's going to be all right. Rest. It's all coming together. God, we give our dreams to you. We declare that we trust you even when we can't trace you. That God, we thank you that you're there in the midst of our greatest disappointment and you're there in the midst of our greatest victory. So God, I thank you that 2019 is gonna be a year of dreams being fulfilled. That God, that which was spoken in the dark being brought into light. Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. If you're hearing the sound of my voice and you say, Crystal, I don't know Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I've never asked him into my heart or my life. Friend, let me tell you, there's no better day than today to give your life to Christ. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart or into your life, or you wanna give your life anew to him, with every head bowed, every eye closed, can you raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three, raise your hand. Amen. Amen. Let's pray this together. Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Take my sins. And by your grace, I take your righteousness. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen. Can we give it up for every person who just prayed that prayer? At One Church, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If this ministry has blessed you in any way and you would like to contribute financially, you can go online to imonechurch.com slash give. If you chose to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior or rededicate your life to Him today, then you can text Decided to 33733 so we can celebrate with you. Thanks for listening and have a great week.